How you doing? This is Vinnie Mad Dog Lopez. And when I'm not singing or playing my drum, I love listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Oh, yeah. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a fellow podcaster, a fellow reader, uh, someone who loves books, um, I think maybe even more than I do. Um, I have Shelly joining me also known as the Rock and Roll Librarian. How are you doing, Shelly? I'm great. How are you, Jesse? I am so good. I am so proud and, and happy you're willing to join me. Um, I, I We're going to talk about your podcast in a little bit, but I am a big fan. Um, you know, I, I love um, the kind of concept of you guys taking these different rock and roll biographies or autobiographies and kind of discuss them not only the story of the artist, but, you know, kind of as a book. And it's just always a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's really fun to do. I, I love my my second job <laughs> as the rock and roll librarian. Yeah, and what a cool name. I mean, that oh, I is, know. That is so cool. I feel like I should trademark it any minute now, though, because I, <laughs> yes. I, I feel like, other librarians breathing down my neck here to um, take up the mantle, but uh, I am the one and only. Yes, you're one, the original. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> That's well, right. But I am an actual librarian. I don't just play one on a podcast. Ah, very nice. Yeah. Where, uh, where are you a librarian at? I'm uh, at San Francisco Public Library, and I've been there since 1982. Very so, cool. Yeah, so I am an actual bona fide librarian. So my wife worked as a page um, during all during college uh, oh. at Calcasieu Parish Library in Lake Charles, mm -hmm. Louisiana. Um, she would, um, I, I loved it because um, she would, um, she would get me books, you know, kind of <laughs> right away, like, oh, here. And yeah. so I would I would be able to read them, and there were two or three regular patrons that would come in, and they'd they'd ask Linda like, "Hey, what do you recommend?" And she would, because Linda is not a big reader, and, and oh. she would she would share what I'd been reading, and like, oh, oh that, and then they'd come back and go, "That was really good." You know, you should try this book. And Linda goes, "Oh, thank you." And so she'd bring it home to me and say. Hey, uh, Jesse, the guy that who liked your book, Mike, said you might like this one. Um, oh, my so. goodness. That's, that's a little bit of like a riff on the Cyrano de Bergerac. Or, what was that? Is that the story with the yes, guy that has a big nose? And, yeah. Exactly. And somebody else, uh, like, mm. talked in his ear, too. Yes. <laughs> so he um, could win his lady love. Yes. Now, I have a question, and this was, gosh, 
I told you we go off on uh, tangents yeah. here. Um, That's okay. One of the things that used to amuse Linda is, you know, and I don't know if you get it as much now with uh, Mr. Google, but, you know, people would call the library back in, this was 81, 82, and mm-hmm. would ask for, um, you know, can you tell me the capital of something? Or would you, you know, they would ask questions. And, right. and Linda would, um, you would have to give a reference. You Even if you knew the answer, you would have to say, right, well, right. according to blank, um, you know, and, and I always thought that was fascinating. Yes. I mean, certainly used to do that more uh, than we do now. But I remember that specifically, too. You weren't just allowed to say, well, I know that Bruce Springsteen wrote, you know, born to run you had to say like according to world book encyclopedia you know um but you're right it's changed a little i mean but i think people still call with those kinds of um with just we call them ready reference questions you know where you have to just look up a fact for somebody um i don't actually work in public service right now so I don't know. I've been in uh, behind the scenes for seven and a half years, so I'm not quite sure what they what they do in public service when they answer the phone. But um, I'm, you know, we use a lot more uh, online resources. You know, you can look things up um, and don't have to go over to the shelf and yeah. find that particular volume of the encyclopedia. It's, there's so much more online now. It's just ridiculous. Well, and. I am a big fan of Neil Gaiman, and um, oh yeah, and and he by far one of the biggest um, fans of libraries, and and I am just amazed at um, how many people don't realize the resources that your local public library gives to people. Um, you know, people who don't have internet at the house can go there to right. apply for jobs, to work on a resume. Um, you know, there are still, um, you know, there is still, when you do research, you need to go and look at books and look at things and, and the reading programs and all the other, right, right, it, right. it's just, it's something amazing. I just, good for yeah. you. And sometimes you need a, what we call a curator, you know, like, because there's, there's, there's this the situation happening where there's so much kind of information out in the um, interwebs that people don't, you know, it's all this, this question of fake news, what's, what's real, what's not, what can you rely on? What can't you? And so librarians play a big role now in helping people, um, you know, verify like actual sources and um, not just, you know, I mean, Wikipedia is great for just a foundation, but you can't really cite it in a paper or exactly. you know, rely on it. And so you need somebody to help you sometimes uh, when you're doing research, which many authors do at the San Francisco Public Library and use you know, our, our history center to actually you know, look up first, you know, primary sources on things that they can look up, you know, use in their books and that kind of stuff. So... Um, yeah, it's really we, you know, we're kind of struggling for a role—not struggling, but um, you know, fighting to stay 
relevant, I would say, the public library. And I think there's many ways, like you just mentioned, that we can be. You know, there's early literacy for children and, um, you know, the story times and, and then kind of positioning ourselves more as community uh, centers and resources and places that you can go to, like you said, you know, get the goods when you don't have the money to buy them. So it's always been a very democratic institution, and that's one of the reasons I was drawn to it in the first place. And I must say that pages, in my mind, are uh, it's a a uh, venerable position. Can you hold on? We're going to need to cut this part sure, out. Sure, no problem. My- Hey, Riley, I'm on a phone call on a podcast, so you can't bother me right now, okay? All right. All right. I forgot to announce to my family that they, I wasn't to be disturbed. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. By the way, that's uh, when you mentioned, you know, do you pause this? Usually when that happens. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if it's, if it's a really young child, um, I usually ask them, you know, the dad or the mom, I'm like, okay, do you mind if I put this as a post credit? Because uh, no, 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 yeah, exactly. To hear, you know, because they're like, oh no, I'm I'm talking a little bit. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. And so uh-huh. uh, that's always fun. Um, yeah, yeah. That well, good. I um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's important work, and I agree with you. I think that's very, very. Um, you said that's part of the reason. You were calling to it, um, but I, I I always love going back to at the beginning, kind of people's secret origins. Um, Shelly, uh-huh. t- talk about growing up. What kind of music was your family into? Music were they into reading? What kind of music did they listen to? Um, well, let's see. My um, my dad was is still is. He's almost 90. He's a huge book lover. So I'm sure some of that rubbed off on me. You know, he had a an office with a library and, you know, certain books I wasn't supposed to read. In fact, I was I was named after the, the poet Percy Bysshe Shelley because of my father. And um, he was also a trumpet player and played Dixieland with his uh, doctor friends, you know, just as a sideline, and loved jazz. Um, you know, and I never took to jazz or poetry. It's kind of interesting. But, um, my, you know, and my mother was somewhat musical. She, we had a piano in the house, and we took piano lessons, and I played the flute as a teenager. Um, but it wasn't really the music I was you know, I loved at that time. Um, I would say the music in my household was kind of mostly jazz from my father and um, kind of, you know, like uh, musical uh, soundtracks like Camelot and The Music Man. I remember those. And, um, and then when I was a teenager, of course, you know, I got into rock and roll. I, I was absolutely the perfect demographic for the monkeys so i love them where did you grow up uh what where were you where was your Mm -hmm. childhood um it was mostly in los angeles okay Okay. i was born in san francisco where i live now but um yeah i mostly grew up in los angeles so to to quote brian wilson you were a california Mm -hmm. girl 
Uh, definitely, I still am. In fact, Good. I'm a fifth generation, fifth generation in California, which is not so long a time in the rest of the country, but in California, which is rather new. It's oh, a, yeah. Something to hang my hat on, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I loved, um, I mean, after the monkeys, I progressed a little bit into, um, of course, the Beatles and but I, I, I think I kind of went, um, I, got, I got into kind of a very, um, what's the word I want to use, like the gold standard um, stuff pretty quickly. I wasn't so much into pop music. So I loved uh, Dylan. I went back and listened to all his old albums and the band and Steely Dan and then I was into uh, Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder, of course. Um, and then I came up to Berkeley to go to college and, and that was in 75. So, so there was a lot of stuff happening as you probably well know at yes, that indeed. time. And I, and I just really took to all of the, what they call maybe the new wave, um, kind of post punk stuff, the Devo and Petty and Springsteen and Elvis Costello and the Cars Blondie, The Pretenders, you know, that kind of thing. That was my my niche at that time. So yeah. I, I'm I'm a I'm a couple of years younger than you. I hit mm-hmm. I graduated high school in nineteen seventy seven. So mm-hmm. um Okay. But I was um I love the monkeys too. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I just, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, my parents were really, um, into, my dad was into, uh, country music, uh, Merle Haggard, Hank Williams. Oh. And, uh, my mom loved that, but she also loved early rock and roll, uh, Bobby Darren, Fats Domino. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there, I remember I had some cousins that, I was visiting in Ohio and they were amazed. This was in the middle sixties that, um, I could not name the four Beatles. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, because, you know, I, I could, uh, I could sing, you know, every Merle Haggard song, but, um, oh, you know, wow. I just, it, it was, um, it just wasn't something that we talked about. I, it wasn't anything against it. It just was not what we did. And it's not on uh, your radar. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that's amazing. And then um, I, I went to school in the same town. Um, my college, the first couple years of college until I dropped out, was just a local college that I commuted to. It was a commuter college. So uh-huh. I didn't get that feeling. Um, my son when he went away to school, um, he went to East Texas and he became very ingrained with a lot of modern country, you know, bro country Mm -hmm. and other stuff Mm -hmm. because it was big and there were a lot of people listening to it. Um, so yeah, I can imagine, you know, Berkeley in the middle seventies, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, when I was growing up and when I was a teenager, country just wasn't on, like, I didn't take it seriously at all. And now I have had to grow into, you know, a big appreciation for country music. But when I was younger, I kind of looked down on it. 
I mean, I don't mean that as a, you know, slam at all. That's no, no, I totally understand. California, you know? Yeah. That's just the way it was. You know, we just, like, country, that's like hillbilly music, you know? Yeah. But now I'm, I'm like, totally um, have, have, have appreciated so much um, country music, you know, certain, certain kinds, but yeah. um, have allowed it into my life and see that it influenced, you know, so many of my heroes and um, vice versa. So, you know, you can't, it's all in the mix. You know, you can't, you can't discount it at all. Great musicians and everything. But no, I couldn't tell you anything about Merle Haggard, for example. Yeah. <laughs> so you got me on that one. No, and, you know, I I don't know if you've, um, and there's so many podcasts out there, but, um, you know, Tyler Mann Coe, um, the son of um, David Allen Cole has started a Cocaines and Rhinestones podcast where he does the history <laughs> of country music. Um, and it is uh, unlike, um, you know, my podcast where we're just talking. I mean, his is he does the research. He uh, does and does a whole script of covering different parts of um, of country music and it's fascinating um, you know the the depths and what he's talking about um, there's yeah I mean there is a lot to be like everything there is there's bad rock and roll and then there's you know rock and roll that helps to change our lives so right, right. same thing and with same country with music country. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Um, yeah. so you mentioned finding Bruce any um any thoughts, uh, you know, were, were you a casual fan, big fan? What's, hmm. what's your well, thoughts? Well, let's see. So because since I graduated from high school in 75, and I believe Born to Run, did it come out that year? Um, my yes. older sister, so I had an older, I have an older sister who's a year older, you know, about a year older than me, a year and a half. And she went to college, you know, a year before I did. And she came back with Born to Run. I mean, that was like, she was totally hooked in on that album. And she played it so much that even my mother started liking it. You know, she was like, oh, my God. La, 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 la. Yeah. She was just like singing that all over the house. <laughs> it was funny. Um, and so, of course, I got hooked in because it was a great album. And then I went back and listened to the first two, right? There were two before that and yes. loved those as well. And um, so I was pretty much in love with Bruce Springsteen for, you know, maybe 10 years or so. And then he kind of lost me a little bit at Nebraska, which I'm sure he did um, a lot of. I mean, I know he did a lot of people because um, right. that was a, a whole different thing and I you know at this point in my life I totally because I'm a musician too you know I respect people like when people say well he detracted from you know what he usually did it's like well whatever that's his you know that's what he needed to get out of him and that's what he needed to do that's fine um and I just didn't you know take that's not what I was looking for at the time um and maybe it was a you know it was a little uh, more mature and you took some more concentration to get, you know, what he was doing there. Um, but I know from his 
autobiography, you know, that it was something important that he had to do. And I, I respect that, but you know, it, it kind of made me not as, um, as, uh, obsessive a fan, let's say. Um, so I kind of dipped in and out for the next, uh, few centuries <laughs> and found, found things, you know, like that. I liked a few things on each album or, um, mm -hmm. a whole albums that I love, for example, Lucky Town. I like that whole album um, and played it a lot. So, you know, it was kind of maybe the first 10 years that I was a very, very devoted fan and saw him in concert two or three times and loved him. And then just kind of, you know, life happens and you don't sure. have as much uh, as much energy to devote to one one musician. But yeah, I have a fond spot in my heart for Bruce. For sure. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Shelley, I could you explain a little bit of um, talk about the podcast you're on, talk mm -hmm. about your role, and and how did you become, as I do air quotes, the rock and roll librarian? <laughs> I know. I I don't I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so at one person, Christian. At one point, Christian, who is my you know, air quote boss on um, this podcast. Uh, I, I didn't know some rock and roll fact. And he said, and you call yourself the rock and roll librarian. And I said, no, I don't. You do. What's <laughs> <laughs> your idea? So um, let's see. I remember um, in the fall of 2015, um, actually Christian Swain, who is the mastermind along with his, um, friend Richard Evans, who writes most of the script for some of the some of the podcasts, um, they uh, came up with this idea in in 2015. And I remember um, walking with him on the beach because he is the stepfather of one of my boy's best friends. And his wife and I are very good friends. And we were walking and he was telling me about this idea he had, like, I want to do a podcast about the history of rock and roll. And I'm like, well, what's a podcast? You know, I mean, that was like only, what, a little over three years ago. And think of how much these po this podcasting exactly. thing has exploded in that time. And I said, like, how, well, how do you make money doing that? Like, what, what are you talking about? Why, why would somebody want to listen to that? It, hasn't that been done already? And he was super excited and said, no, we're doing this. We're writing it. We're going to script it. This was the history of rock and roll. Um, culture, um, technology, science, and, um, and history, and how it all, the, all those things kind of, came together to create this huge force in history, which was rock and roll. And so they wrote like three episodes and, and put them out right away, starting with, you know, Elvis Presley and, and the, 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 you know, total beginning of rock and roll. And a, a few months later, he came to me and said, well, we, we had this idea, Amy, my wife and I had this idea for this other, this kind of like side podcast, you'll be the rock and roll librarian since you already love reading rock and roll biographies, which I did. And um, 
and we'll just talk about it on the air. And I was, I was so perplexed. It's like, well, why would anybody want to listen to me talk about rock and roll biographies? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I was so like, I felt so old in that moment, you know, like, you no, know, I mean, my friends like me and they like to talk to me and hear me talk, but why would other people that don't know me want to listen to me talk? And he said, just trust me. Let's just do it. So, so I've got to pause you there, Shelley, because yeah. you, you're you making me smile. Um, <laughs> when I first started podcasting, um, I was um, some friends of some people I knew online were going to do a, uh, a rewatch of a science fiction show called Farscape. And they said, what we want to do is find someone who's never watched Farscape and along with someone who's watched it, watch it together and talk about the episode from a newbie perspective and has seen someone who's seen the episode and we will not do spoilers. And so I started doing it. And then I started the, one of the ladies of the co-host says, Hey, I, I want to do that a castle podcast because we both love Nathan Philly. And I'm like, sure, that's good. So, and my wife, the, her famous, words and she is now gets embarrassed about it is she went hmm. why would anyone want to hear you talk <laughs> why, why would anyone care what you think um because you know for her perspective a podcast is an expert you know right. someone right. um julian anderson you know that does a weight loss and think you know that's you know, it, it, celebrities do podcasts. Um, she's now accepted the fact, and, and what I had to convince her is, I said, you know how your brother uh, grew up playing music? And he said, um, if he had if he had the ability, he would go in a barn on Sundays with all his buddies and just play music for a couple hours, and they don't mm -hmm. care if anyone heard it or not. I said, that's yeah. what podcasting to me is. You know, yeah. it, it's enough for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so hearing you go, why does anyone want to hear me? I just yeah. made me smile right away. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was talking to a friend right after the um, first one came up. And I said, you know, I'm trying to, like, now Christian is a friend. And I'm trying to kind of figure out how we're going to do this thing where he's going to come back to me and say, you know, Shelly, it's not working, you know, <laughs> and how am I going to respond? And my friend went like, why, why, why are you thinking that? I, I don't know. I just imagine like, that's the way it's going to go. Like, how am I going to prepare myself for that? Like I got, I need to let myself down easily, you know, like softly and, and, you know, go like, okay, well, that was awesome. And that was fun to try, but you know, and now it's like what, you know, almost uh, three years later, and is that right? Am I doing that right? Yeah, three years later, and and um, got quite a few under my belt. I'm not quite doing one a month, um, uh, maybe one every two months or so, and um, it's kind of time consuming for me because I do have a 40 hour a week, you know, paid day gig, but. Um, I I have I read the book and I take a lot of notes and I organize them and then Christian and I get together and we talk about how we're going to it's not scripted but it's um planned a little bit like yeah let's hit this this and this but not that like you know we're not going to talk about that but 
and then we and then we play some songs or we play our 30 seconds um which is um what um we've decided that the copyright law will allow without getting into trouble so we kind of go oh yeah this one this was a great song from that artist and um and then we play you know a little bit of it just to give a taste and kind of tell people like go go to the album if you want to hear the whole thing um and by the way, I didn't mention the the pod the the main network is the Pantheon. Now we've re, rebranded as the Pantheon Media Network, but we but the main podcast on it is this historical one. It's called Rock and Roll Archaeology, and so the major um, kind of lift for people for fans to look us up is learning how to spell the word archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> There's three vowels in a row, so it can be a little bit daunting. But well, um, I will yeah, have... We, have, we have lots of others in the, in the network now, which are very cool, too. Not just yes. Rock and Roll Librarian and Rock and Roll Archaeology, so I'm happy to tell you a little bit about those, too. Yeah, I, um, I was, they were nice enough to have me on early, a couple of years ago, I think which was really mm-hmm. nice. Um, and I will have a link for the, um, for your show and the rest of them. Um, it is a great podcast. There's a lot of fun. Um, they also do, um, they talk about films. Um, right. I, I've, I've told uh, them that um, uh, Grace of My Heart is one of my favorite uh, rock and roll films. It's kind of based but roughly on a uh, Carol uh, King type character, and uh-huh. so I and and I said so if they ever want to talk about that I'm available. Um, oh, so yeah, I, I you know I, I I just think this is a fun podcast, and I I I think you do a great job. I, I think you do uh, enough of. It doesn't come across as a book report. It truly is. It sounds like two friends talking about a book they really liked. Yeah, yeah. Though Christian doesn't usually read the book um, because he he's reading like the man is very busy. He's yes. He's interviewing people. He's reading books, you know, to support the interview. So we decided pretty early on that um, I would read the book. And that was kind of a nice interplay between us because he would, you know, be somewhat uh, innocent and I would, you know, clu- not innocent, that's the wrong word, but, you know, un- unschooled in the book. And I yeah. and we would, you know, he would ask very genuine questions, um, which I uh, hopefully had taken notes. The hard part is knowing what he wants us to talk about while I'm reading the book. So I take like... 20 pages of typewritten notes and then because I'm a I'm a librarian and a researcher yes and then I have to edit them way back and then find songs you know that kind of fit what our topics are going to be yeah it works well it's not um like I said it's not you know we don't write it out but we try to have kind of a little bit of an outline so that we don't um, just kind of sit there on air and go, oh, 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 <laughs> too much. But, so, um, yeah. yeah, it's fun, really fun yeah, to do. Yeah. Shelly, how do you pick uh, which books to discuss? 
they're actually pretty much um, I choose them, and uh, it it's it's a little skewed toward my um, my my own taste. Um, for example, I'm not a heavy metal fan, and so um, when it came time to kind of feel like, well, I have to. I should mix this up a little bit because I'd done Chrissy Hind and I did Elvis Costello and I did, um, uh, you know, people that were uh, more in my my musical taste. And then I realized, oh, I'm, I'm maybe I need to try something a little different to give other. I know there's a wide range of rock and roll fans, so. I chose Metallica, but I chose a graphic novel so that I didn't have to read, you know, too much about Metallica. So it was kind of a short read for me, which which was really all I really wanted to know about Metallica. Um, yeah, so, that, that was enough. Yeah, that was enough for me. Um, yeah, my first my very first one was Christy Hind and that had just come out. Uh, it's called Reckless, My Life as a Pretender. And, um, you know, I loved I loved the pretenders and I loved Chrissy Hind because she's just such a badass, you know, female rock star. Exactly. And not, you know, not like, oh, she's behind somebody or somebody else is writing her music or she's, you know, just an appendage. She was out there with her guitar, writing her own music, selecting her band and, and, you know, just, I just saw her recently that the pretenders toured this last year and I saw them and she was just as electrifying as she always was. She looks great for an, an old lady. She's my role model. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, the first one I had heard you do was um, Brian Wilson's. Yeah. And I really enjoyed y'all's discussion of that. I, I think, um, I'm um, my first musical obsession was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, um, and mm. I um, I thought the book was a little wandering, you know. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But which it very much fit Brian's personality. Right. So right. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed that discussion, and so I was Thank checking, you. and I said. Um, Wow, they haven't talked about Bruce's biography yet, and no. so that's why I, you know, I reached out to you and said, "Hey, are you guys planning to talk about it?" And you were kind enough to say, "Well, why don't I join you on your show and we'll talk about it there?" So yeah, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I, I just, you know, like like we say in library land, you know, too many books, not enough time. Oh, so absolutely. that was kind of. That was kind of the reasoning behind that. You know, you just, I mean, a lot of choosing the books is just getting caught up in, you know, what what has come out. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, there's, you know, book on the on the replacements. Oh, there's, you know, or, or you know, browsing the shelves at one time. Um, I found Cindy Lauper had written a, an autobiography and it wasn't, you know, brand new, but I... I thought it would be, you know, really interesting because, because of, of course, I'm drawn to the females in the industry, and um, you know, just because I just 
I, I, sometimes I go back and I wonder, like, why did I become a librarian instead of a musician? And, um, and I realized from reading these autobiographies that the women write, like it, it, the men too, but, but the curious thing for me is the women, that how much um, stick-to-itiveness you know, and determination it took to do, and discomfort and not knowing, you know, what your life was going to be like and where you were going to land and what you were going to eat and where you were going to sleep. And, and I went and I thought after a while, I thought, hmm, that's why I didn't do it because I don't like those things. <laughs> I like my life to be in control. But these women just like Chrissy Hine went to London. I don't know anybody in London. I'm just going to go and see, you know, what, uh, how I can get a band together and write music. I would never have done anything like that. So being a librarian was more in my, um, in my uh, wheelhouse, as they say. But I did take my musicianship into library, the library world by um, being a children's librarian. And then I I did story times and played the guitar and sang and stuff like that. Very one of my cool. one of my favorite songs was um, "Pony Boy" by that Bruce had on. Um, I think it was Human Touch or yeah, it was an, an old uh, folk like a children's song, folk song. He didn't write that. He no. he added some lyrics to it, and then I realized I had been doing that as a kind of a lap bounce song, but didn't really know it very well and when i heard him do it i thought I'm, I'm appropriating this and i'm going to have this be my uh pony boy rendition for for my lap jogs that's <laughs> not very awesome. many people know there were things like lap jogs but there are that is cool um, yeah yeah uh, the i i i have a real good friend um she's now retired but uh her name is sarah hickman and she was uh, grew up in Houston, went to school in Denton, uh, became a musician, ended up getting signed by Elektra, did two albums, then released. And she's done probably a dozen albums in different independent labels and such. And um, and before she was signed, you know, she had no electricity in her house. Yeah, and she just yeah. was like, well, I, I don't have the money. And uh, so I'll just live without electricity till I get the money, and then I'll I'll be fine. And yeah. and I I just was like that the first time that happened, I would say, okay, I need to go get a job. Yeah, exactly. But but she knew, and she had quit her day job because yeah. she knew that she needed to spend her time working on music, and yeah. To have that kind of dedication or stubbornness is, yes. you know, is something that is both admiring and a little bit frustrating. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I would be, if I was the parent, I, I would be that, I'd be the bad dad in oh, all the rock and roll draw. biographies that say, oh, yeah. right. Well, what are you going to fall back on, son? You know, right, the, right. I'd be that dad in all those bad rock and roll uh, movies, but yeah, I would movies. be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I um I can't remember where I just heard this very recently, but 
it, it was talking about um, people that, you know, they have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And these people like Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen and Chrissy Hine, they had no plan B. That was kind of the, that was part of the, what pushed them on. There was no plan B. There was no like, well, I could be an accountant, you know, mm-hmm. or I could be a gardener or something. I mean, they had little shit jobs they did, sure. um, you know, to just stay afloat. But they, there was, there was nothing, there was nowhere else to go. So as part of it was a fire inside them to go forward and looking back and realizing there was a big hole back there, you know, that there was nothing to fall back on. In fact, Bruce's like family moved away when he was like 17. They moved to California and left him in New Jersey. He had to, you know, he could either go with them and be a normal person or he could stay in New Jersey and keep doing what he was doing. So that, that was amazing to me. Like what your family left you in. <laughs> Can you imagine a parents doing that now? No, You'd probably I can't be arrested or something. Um, yeah. So, so you're, um, I reached out to you and I said, Hey, are, and you said, well, it's, I've got three or four books in front of me. And, um, and as, all heavy readers are, um, you know, you, I've always got my next two or three books planned ahead of me. So I know exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah. so you said, okay, I'm going to get there. And, uh, when we get a chance, what were you thinking before you picked up the book? Had you heard anything about it? Um, had you, um, you know, what was your expectations? I don't know. You know, when I first heard about it, it was what, like two years ago, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, someday I'm going to read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I, I hadn't really heard anything about it. And when I picked it up, um, I was at first I thought, oh, my God, this is so long. Which one reason I, ne- I didn't choose it as a book for my podcast because Oh, not another one of these like 600 page books or whatever. Um, And, um, and then of course I started reading it and it was so easy to read. um, And so much like him, like, like you were talking about Brian Wilson's book and how it's kind of a little bit meandering, but that was Brian Wilson. Well, Bruce's book is, you know, just exactly what you would expect Bruce's book to read like. It's, I mean, if you've ever been to one of his concerts, it's just like stories that he tells in between songs that makes him so fun to, you know, it's not just the music, it's the stories. And so it was easy to get caught up in it and, and plus to um, save time. I had it on on ebook and on e audiobook so okay you can um, download uh, actually just a little plug for the library here you know you can borrow a lot of these things uh, through electronic books and electronic audiobooks through your local library and you basically you borrow them for free and then you download them onto your device you know and you can renew them like a library book too and um and and so listening to the audiobook was 
um, really a joy for me. I kind of went back and forth between them. Like um, when I was in the car, if I was on a trip, I'd listen to the audio book and then, and then I'd get someplace and I'd, you know, fast forward the book and find out where um, I, I've read a couple books like that. It can be a little confusing, but yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's, it's an interesting way to do it. And um, yeah, I just, it was just delightful to listen to him reading the book and um yeah I, I i didn't i didn't have really any preconceptions except for what i knew about bruce and what you know what it would probably be like so it was, it was fun to get into yeah i was you know obviously being a fan very excited about reading it i was a little worried that um at times when I would read an interview he gave, it would be a little wordy, and I, you know, kind of get to the point, Bruce. Um, so yeah, I was a exactly. little nervous, you know, that, okay, will this be a good um, story? Will this be easy mm-hmm. to read? And mm-hmm. I was amazed how quickly um, I got into it. and um, yeah. And I felt that he was, um, you know, being very honest. The, the story is that, and, you know, whether it's the truth or not, it's the legend, is he started working on this, and all of a sudden he realized he had a book, and when he finished, he went to his publisher and said, hey, do you guys want to publish this? <laughs> uh, and I... I really loved the kind of format of he working through his his family and then his oh, yeah. his growth and then when he got to you know a lot of great stories that um you know I, I like there's the one where he has to go to New York and it's going to be a dollar right and he can't find that last penny. Um, and, you know, he talked about you've got to pay the price. He's got to put that on there. Um, I felt, and I, similar to you, Shelley, I ended up buying it in audio version. And so I was going to Louisiana to visit my mom. And so I listened to it um, on CD. And mm-hmm. I really just, it, it felt like he was talking to me. It, yeah, it was just it really good. Yeah, it's similar to I, I listened to the um, the Broadway uh, soundtrack. I didn't see it um, on Netflix, but I listened to it, and it's totally similar to that. You do you do feel like he's talking to you, and um, and he has got a great way of talking, and it does meander. I mean, you know, that's just the way he is. He's full of hyperbole and superlatives and adjectives. You know this this thing and comma, that thing and comma, that thing, you know, he's like building up and building up and building up. You're like, where's the noun in this, uh, you know, litany, this kind of string of adjectives, but you know, you just realize, Oh, I, I feel like I know him. That's yep. That's Bruce. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I've talked to a couple of people who are writers and, you know, I said from a, a writer perspective, you know, what's your thoughts and, they they have all said he's a very good storyteller, um, yeah, exactly. you know, um, and he paints an image. Um, I found it interesting that at times 
um, he was quoting lyrics. And I, I wondered, is that on purpose or is that just without even trying to, you know, like, oh, ah. that's the, this phrase would go perfect here. And, oh, I guess I did use it as song lyrics. It's so, so familiar to me. Yeah. It used to be Bruce and go like, who said that? Oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I felt like it read like a novel, especially the the first part, which I really enjoyed, um, which Elvis Costello did in his autobiography, too. So that part where where Bruce writes about the Italians and the Irish, because yes. there are, you know, his history of his family is just split down the middle like that. His, his mother's family was the Italians. His father's family were the Irish. And he went into each of their um, histories and then, you know, brought them together. And they were very different histories. And But they all came together for somehow in the same neighborhood, around the same Catholic church, around the same Catholic school, and um, somehow the Irish and the Italians in Freehold, New Jersey, you know, all um, knew each other socially and religiously and work, you know, in work and stuff like that. And to me, that's fascinating. I love um, stories about the kind of cultural melding of America and how you know, how different groups came over and met each other and either were repelled or attracted or, you know, and that made the people that are here today. So I thought that was really cool um, the way he did that. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, the- I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, I loved the stories of his uh, his father and his mother. Um, and if if you've heard the Broadway, he kind of covers that. You know, yeah. in that talking about him, um, you know, there is his relationship with his father is prevalent in the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally looming over the whole thing. Yes, that that is the perfect phrase. It is. And and to have him share, you know, what, the story that right before they were going to have their first child his dad mm-hmm. coming in and seeing him and, and mm-hmm. the, um, you know, I, I was not a big fan of the song independence day till I saw him do it live. And he talked about, you know, the idea he did that on the river tour a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And he's the same age that his father would have been then. And to oh, talk uh-huh. about that perspective of a father and a son, both loving each other but don't know how to show it uh, right. was very touching to me. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't – a lot of times, Shelley, when they do a biography or an autobiography, you know, they talk about, well, they, they're telling all the secrets, you know, and they're, they're naming names. You know, his is not a tell-all biography. He just bears his soul. Yeah, he really does. It's so personal. Um, in fact, when uh, you had suggested that one of the things we might talk about was comparing this uh, autobiography to others that I've read, I would say um, it is the most psychologically personal of any of them. Um, because he, uh, 
apparently was um, was kind of um, kicked into gear on writing the book through a lot of work he'd done in therapy, you know, and, and it was and it was a lot of it about his father, and um, and that's not uncommon. Come to think of it, it just occurred to me while you were talking that um, Tom Petty had grave issues with his father. Brian Wilson also. Um, there was somebody else I thought of, but I can't remember now. And I, it kind of made, I mean, more so than the women um, musicians yeah. that I've covered, this father-son relationship is just, it's very fraught because probably of, all, of those things that you mentioned where um, it's, so in, at least in the United States and maybe other parts of the world, it's always been uh, difficult for men to, you know, express their feelings. I mean, more so than women, I suppose. So women, you know, women and their mothers have their own thing. But, um, you know, but these men had semi-abusive or at least neglectful fathers. Elvis Costello, not so much. I mean, he, he, but, but, you know, he left his family at a certain point. You know, there's all these, there's just so much, um, um, I don't know, uh, fodder there for for songs. When yeah. if people use songwriting to work through, you know, their thoughts and feelings and history and stuff like that. Certainly, um, Bruce Springsteen has hit Pater in delving into his father, his relationship with his father. I mean, he has all these songs. He has this book. He has the Broadway show, which is totally seems to be focused on his dad too and and then the you know and then the soundtrack so um so you know he's i don't know i wonder if he feels like he's going to be done with this topic at some point you know like not done with it like snipping it off but have worked through it enough to be kind of have processed it enough so that he can move on to something else I don't know. Yeah, Let's I, ask him that when we yeah, interview him. We will, yes. We'll have to do that. Um, yeah. You know, I know one of the stories he told, I had saw him on the Devils and Dust Tour, and that was an acoustical show uh, that after that album, and it was just him on stage. And he was talking about he was – he was worried that he was going to make life too easy on his children um, mm, because, mm-hmm. you know, because of the financial success he has. Right. And right. his, and supposedly a friend said life is going to be hard for them no matter what. So I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing as a parent, you making things easier for them if you can. Yeah, um, and I get the feeling that um, Patty seems to be very grounded, and I, I, I really liked how. So Shelley, I wanted two things in the book. I wanted to know what was his thoughts about firing the Eastry Band, you know, mm-hmm. that famous segment, and they never talk about Julianne Phillips, you know, that she doesn't do interviews. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, not that I want the dirt, but I just, 
Right. I'm, I'm curious this this marriage that was this whirlwind and all of a sudden, you know, it yeah. hardly lasts at all. And yeah. I thought he covered both of them and I found that he was very honest and he takes all the blame on that marriage yeah, failing yeah, yeah. is, you know, and I, to, to pour out your heart to say, I'm looking at this beautiful woman who's married me. And I'm thinking, if you really knew me, you would not love me. You yeah, can't love yeah. me. And, and I just thought, um, the, the layers of his insecurity and the yeah. mantras was, I thought, very honest. Yeah, I did too. I, I and I, 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 I'm with you there. I was curious about that relationship as well because I remember when it happened. Um, you know, it was all covered by the paparazzi and everything. But I remember like people kind of saying, "Oh, he thinks he's so good now. He's married a model, and he's not like one of the people anymore." <laughs> I, I don't know if that was just my friends, but I remember that little story in the back of my mind. Like, he's married. Oh, he's just gone all superficial, and he's married this beautiful model. So it was really um, important for me to kind of read what like, he was looking for stability and for marriage. He felt like that was something that he was missing, that he wasn't able to do properly. And this woman comes along that he had a connection with. And he and and it's like oh okay I'll marry her, um, that he he but in all honesty he wasn't trying to you know like pull one over it's just in retrospect that he realizes that's what happened that he just was at a time in his life in his thirties where it's like get with it you know buddy you, this is what life is about life is about connections and love and marriage and children and community and stuff like that you're missing the boat and she happened along at that time and yes i i do appreciate that he took um full you know full whatever i mean i'm sure she played a part too everybody does but sure you know that he said yes i was older than her she was a young person she went into it with an open heart and i screwed her over yeah you know and so that's fair yeah, I think it's very fair, and I thought it was very, um, and I know we keep, I keep saying this, but it's very real and very mm-hmm. open. Um, I also was surprised how funny the book was. Um, Me too. And, and yeah. you know, his Netflix, he's funny as well, but there are plenty of funny stories about oh, him yeah. sharing, and I thought that was good to see too. Yeah, I love the. Um... The whole thing that made me laugh out loud that the cross country trip yes. uh, where he, he didn't know how to drive and in, in, in the, in the play, in the Broadway, you know, he goes, and that's from the guy that wrote racing in the streets, you know? Yes. So that was hysterical. But that whole idea of him, like his uh, friend and manager Tinker, you know, like saying, you have to drive, I'm going to put it into first gear. And then you, then you're on your own and I'm going to fall asleep and, and, you know, just mm-hmm. like the, the truck lurching and, and swerving. And, you know, he's like, not only wasn't I a good driver, I actually had never driven a car yes. <laughs> and he gets behind an old pickup truck and starts driving. Yeah. And then when they left the car by the side, I mean, the dog by the side of the road yes. and had to go back and find the dog at the rest stop. <laughs> 
Yes. I don't know. There were some really funny, there funny was. parts in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah, that's just, it's, it's hilarious to hear that. Um, he, and then, you know, he, I thought he, he shared a lot about, you know, without getting too personal, he shared enough about his children and relationship. Yeah. You can tell he's really proud and has tried to be a better father than um, his dad was for him. I, yeah. I think he gives Patty a lot of credit for that. And, oh, and I think a that's ton. true. Yeah. Yeah, a ton. In yeah. fact, that was the other, you know, the part that I was, of course, being, I don't know if men care about this stuff as much as women do, but I, you know, a former soap opera junkie. So I want to know, like, how did they meet? How did that happen? You know, I, I didn't pay too much attention at the time when he and, and Patty got together, but you know, it's like when he when she got into the band, you're 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 thinking, well, where where who's she? Where'd she come from? Why is she in the band? And then you know, a couple few years later, you know, they're they're married, and I always wondered what the order of events there was. Um, and now I know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was uh, something obviously that was a match made in heaven, and and like you said, he gives her. Uh, a ton of credit, not only for raising their kids, you know, and keeping him connected to them and making sure that he knew how to be a good father, but also um, her, you know, contribution to him musically. And um, there was something else I was going to say about uh, just senior mind. It just flitted out of my brain, but you know, she, Oh, and for guiding him through his depressions, which, um, you know, which apparently he had um, inherited from his dad, this uh, depressive inclination. And he went through a couple very severe bouts and she just stood by him and, you know, made sure he was loved and that he got the help and medication he needed. And, uh, yeah, that was um Really, really good to hear. I went back and listened to some of her music as well, and um, some of it is quite beautiful. That's definitely sure. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he, you know, he loves her voice. I thought the right. um, story about the Sinatras, uh, loving yeah. <laughs> to hear how she sang, um, yeah. was just a, a wonderful story. Um, the, in. Um, you know, another highlight to me was, um, you know, how much he embraced um, his guilt of not participating in the Vietnam War and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. trying to do, um, you know, trying to find the right way to make a difference. Um, it you you feel like, at least from my perspective, um, and I gave a copy of. My brother-in-law um, has just retired, and so um, I sent him a copy of the book, and um, and you know he was like, well, you know, I'm not a Bruce fan. I go, I know, but you know, I think you'd enjoy it. And he came back and he says, you know, I don't know if I'm more of a Bruce fan now, but I am. I did enjoy the book. I thought the story was really well done, and oh, shared. Good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah. Anything else that strikes you? Oh, 
I, I, you know, the, the stories about <clears throat> Clarence and how they came together and Clarence's death and then, um, you know, trying to replace him or find a new sax player for the band. I thought were, um, that was uh, really tender and sweet. And um, I, 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 you know, the fact that <clears throat> he put so much thought into finding a sax player for the E Street Band and doing auditions and then realizing the sax player was right under his nose and um and then introducing because the sax player was Clarence's um for those of you who haven't read the book uh nephew and um the way that they very carefully introduced him to the audiences and made sure that um he wasn't just a cookie cutter you know put up where Clarence had been you know, he had him play in the background, had him learn the solos just as Clarence did them, but to be his own person and his own musician and, you know, bring them out with the kind of, um, you know, feeling that he wanted. But that, that, that the idea that these sax solos were compositions that he and Clarence had written together and imagined together and how they fit in the songs and that that couldn't be discounted. This um, young man, what was his name, Jake? Yes, or, it is uh, Jake, yeah. yes. Yeah, ha- had to learn the solos. But, you know, then then the first time that he was in a concert, you know, playing the solo, I think, from Thunder Road and having the audience just kind of hold their breath and then just roar in, in approval um, I thought that was really touching how how Bruce, you know, honored Clarence that way. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I also, um, when Jake was not ready that first um, kind of audition, yeah, and you know, and and Jake said that it wasn't too much of an exaggeration, you know, Bruce exaggerated a little bit, but to see, you know, you're going to show up and you're not going to be ready. Um, yeah. I think that's <laughs> in front of Bruce. <laughs> yeah. That, that was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. That I was really neat. It. Um, well, good. Um, I, I'm so glad you were here to share it with me and talk about it. Uh, that was a blast. Any, uh, other thoughts? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I definitely recommend the book. If you're going on vacation or um, have have some time to sit and just uh, read some good yarns and go back to the albums and listen to the songs he talks about. That's always fun to do when I'm uh, create, you know, getting ready for a podcast. Is you know, go back and revisit some of these songs that I love or, or learn about a band. Um, yeah. for example, the replacements, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't even know anything about the replacements and, and then I read the book and I was like, Holy cow, this is really good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, it's been very good for good. me in my, um, in my education as a podcaster and as a rock and roll historian. So, um, I have a renewed Renewed love for Bruce and uh, very nice. We'll, yes, we'll be listening to more of his music. Well, very cool. So, yeah. um, 
so tell us again um, the podcast. Uh, give us your it's plug. A, uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, rock and roll at www.rockandrollarchaeology.com. So it's R-O-C-K-N-R-O-L-L, rock and roll. And then archaeology, this is your lesson for today, is spelled A-R-C-H-A-E-O-L-O-G-Y.com. And I'm on Twitter as Sorensen Shelley. Um, so you can um, follow me there. And I'm also on SoundCloud with some uh, acoustic uh, renditions of different songs. I, I started a little playlist of me doing songs from each of the books that I had read, but I kind of faltered um, <laughs> there. It's hard to learn all those songs. So, um, but anyway, it's fun, okay. uh, fun to do. And uh, there you go. I'll have to check that out. Um, what do you guys got coming up on the podcast? What's the well, next book? We are, we are going to do Bruce. Um, Yay. So after this comes out, because I've done the work and yes. I just got a box. In the mail from Amazon of a book about Aretha Franklin that was written by uh, Meredith Oaks, who Christian just um, interviewed on Deeper Digs in Rock, which is one of the podcasts we do on our on our series. And he interviewed her, and she wrote a book called uh, Fifty. Oh gosh, I forgot the title now. Fifty, you know, Fifty Rock and Roll Women, basically. Oh, that sounds very um, and good. And so then I, I learned that she had just done a kind of a photo essay um, biography on Aretha, and Aretha's very special to me. So I'm going sure. to read that next. All right. That sounds perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah, hang thank tight. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Hang tight. Uh, so if you want to be on the podcast and share your Springsteen story or maybe your passion about your favorite rock and roll biography you can reach me at setlustingbruce at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at jesse jackson dfw and uh the show's twitter is at setlustingbruce uh we do have a facebook page and you can go to like us and do me a favor tell someone about the podcast just find another bruce fan someone who loves music and say hey you should check out set lusting bruce because that's how we get our audience um, Shelly, I could keep talking to you all night. This was a blast. Uh, this I, was fun. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you joining me. I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to hearing um, the episode where you talk Bruce. And now then, um, I'll have to go um, ch- check out a couple of these books you've mentioned because they, they sound a lot of fun. Yes. They are. I haven't read a bad one. Usually I put them down if I don't like them. So exactly. they're all good. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having me on. And Christian says hi. Well, tell Christian I said hi as well. And uh, listeners, we thank you so much. You guys have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun-talking, hard-rocking, music-loving, album-ranking, fan-thinking, joy-spreading, lyric-reading, story-sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce.
Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.